Caught Offside with Andrew Gunling and J.J. Devaney. Oh, yes. Caught Offside from a suburb of New York City and from Brooklyn, New York. It's Andrew Gunling and J.J. Devaney. Back again. J.J., what's up, brother? How are you, Andrew? Good. I mean, we were just here last night. Um, you know, we just recorded that podcast yesterday. We spent a lot of time on that, talking about what's going on in the country right now. Uh, we really just, we feel strongly that this is such an important issue, not just obviously in soccer, but globally. Uh, and it's important to get other perspectives on it. So we're honored right now to be joined by an American soccer legend, 164 appearances with the national team, over 300 with the Galaxy. Kobe Jones joins us now. Kobe, what's up, man? How are you? I'm doing okay, guys. I'm doing okay out here on the West Coast in Los Angeles. So surviving, surviving. Yeah, I was just saying how, you know, JJ and I, we did a podcast just last night and it was really just, I mean, for the two of us, it, it was, it was almost therapeutic in some ways to just kind of get together and talk about everything that's, that's happened in this country over the course of the last week or so since the death of George Floyd. And, and you know, we were saying that what happened, it, for whatever reason, it's resonating in a different way, it seems like, with this country. Um, you know, in a way almost that we haven't really seen in decades. And I'm just, I'm just wondering from your perspective, can you even begin to put into words how you've been feeling watching all of this transpire? No, it's, it's difficult to put into words. Um, unless you've, you know, you know, you have the black experience or that you have lived through some type of, um, situation where you can completely understand it's, it's hard to explain. I myself have had situations like this, so I completely understand and have, have full support, you know, of everything that's going on. And, and by that, I mean all the peaceful protests, you know, that, that is happening. I loved seeing last night in Los Angeles, the peaceful protests that were going on down at, uh, at City Hall, everything going through, um, Hollywood here. This, I think it was fantastic in the right way. You know, to go, I, I, I firmly believe in the Martin Luther King style where you can get things done if you get enough people to believe along the same lines of you and get people to be active, you know, to actually go out and participate. And I think that's one of the big things. I think we, we have an issue where, we, where people in general tend to, um, become active and participate, you know, at a, at a flash moment, you know, well, this was, one of those flash moments. Now the, the key is and the work at hand is going to be that people are active and participate continuously into the future that we can't let this movement, if you want to call it that, or th- this moment pass. And then, you know, as, as I've said, you know, in my Instagram and Twitter and whatever, is like, I don't want my kids 28 years later saying, oh, wow, we got another pr- major protest or riot going on in the U.S., about the exact same things, you know, I mean, I, I feel like this is kind of like what we had in 1992, you know, all over again, nothing is, nothing really changed um, enough in a positive way where 28 years later for me, it's the same thing coming up again. Kobe, I want to return to that, those flashpoints you talk about and to 1991, because I, I do think that's important, but I wanted to ask you, how does it feel as a, an African American to watch that video of what happened to George Floyd. Like, when, when you see something like that, what, wh- what are your feelings? Look, I, anyone that knows me or has seen, looks at my social media and stuff like that. I rarely post a, a lot of stuff that is political. I, or, um, I, I don't put it out where I get involved, involved in a lot of stuff. 
But I, I have to say that that video affected me, you know, and, and I, I mentioned it, you know, to my wife and my wife was concerned because this is one of the few times and, and I'll say even more so than, than I shouldn't say more so, but the same as the George Floyd one, the Ahmaud Arbery, those two videos over this past month or so, um, had put me in a situation where I couldn't sleep at night, you know, and, and that, that was a rarity where it, I was waking up in the middle of the night, actually thinking about that and having bad dreams about those situations. And that George Floyd video in particular was disturbing beyond belief because I, I saw it probably like early on, you know, probably more, more earlier than most people. And I was looking at that and just going, what's happening here? You, you know, the, the man is on George Floyd's neck, okay? He's staying on the neck. He's screaming for help. He's trying to do whatever he does. And, and, and the thing is, you just see the upper half of him, right? And so even in that, it doesn't do true justice. The fact he's handcuffed. He's handcuffed. There's two other cops on top of him. There's people all around saying, stop, get off of him. He's passing out. Do it. And he's still sitting there on his neck. It was disturbing. Um, I don't think it's a moment that I will ever forget. And, and it's affected me where, as I said, I couldn't sleep. But I think it's changed something in me where I, I, I can't sit. I had to say something. You know? So I had to put stuff out there and be vocal about it. You know, Kobe, last night um, when we did the podcast, we, we read Dom Dwyer's comments uh, where he, he basically says he never saw racial tension in England growing up there like what he sees here in America, we, we talked about Nada Manua's comments of Real Salt Lake, how he basically echoed that sentiment when he came over to play here from having played previously at QPR. And I said last night, those, hearing that from guys who came from somewhere else to this country, it just, it just struck me in, in a different way. And I'm just wondering if when players come over here, is this a thing that guys talk about? Would, would you almost warn somebody of color who comes to play over here? You know, things are a little bit different here. Is this like a common topic in, in locker rooms? I, 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 look, I'm going off of when I was playing, <laughs> you know, so I mean, this, that's a long time ago. <laughs> uh, at, at that time, there were racial tensions and it, it kind of, as Richard Sherman says, it, it comes up in the locker room, but it's very blunt and straightforward and it comes across as, as um, direct, it comes across as mean, it comes across as funny at times, but it's talked about constantly. Uh, and I think that's maybe the, the big difference of what you see in society. You know, I mean, if you're in close quarters with people from every background, it's naturally going to come up. And that and that's the way it was for, for me when I was playing with the Galaxy or even with the national team. For other people coming, um into the United States, I can understand how they would have a different view because it's a different culture. You know, there's different um, cultural backgrounds in those countries. But when you have a society like the United States that, is, that has had such a, uh, a difficult and, and I, I would say disturbing past when it comes to slavery, you know, and how it is prevalent, you know, throughout. And then you have all the other issues with civil rights and everything that happened, it's more ingrained into the to the American society. All these issues, so it's going to come out a lot more, and and, and it's going to come in, in the discussions of race relations and everything. Of course, are going to be, um, I, I guess, 
closer to the surface here than anywhere else. Kobe, you were a young man in UCLA in 1991 when the Rodney King beating happened and the subsequent riots afterwards. Um, what was it like being a, a person of color in Los Angeles at that time? What was it like to be a young, dreadlocked black man, black athlete walking around? I mean, what was that experience like? Well, it was it was difficult, you know, as well. I mean, when I was, you know, at that that age, like you said, a young man, you you have a different perspective then, as as I do now on it. Where then it was more just like, uh, you know, of course, what the is going on, <laughs> you know, what how could this possibly happen? You know, there's the no justice, no peace. You know, all these right kind of a lot of the things that we're hearing now. Um, and I was disturbed then, but I don't think it affected me as much then as this is now. You know, I think I have a more of a respect where I can internalize stuff a whole lot more now than, than I could as a 18, 19 year old, you know, running around the streets of, 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 uh, uh, the streets of Westwood. The, The issue is, is back then is, I guess for me, being at UCLA on the soccer team, there weren't a whole lot of other people of color on the team then. There were just, just a few, you know, so it, it wasn't a whole lot of people that I could relate to, you know, on the team and, and such. So that made it a little bit difficult. Whereas now I have, you know, a vast array of friends and my, my, my uh, pool has been a lot wider so I can discuss, you know, all these things. You know, Kobe, uh, Zach Steffen was talking about how it, it it might feel a little bit more difficult to play for the national team. He didn't use those words. I'm kind of paraphrasing, but how it might be a little more difficult to play for the national team if he's not exactly sure what this country stands for right now. You know, like I said, you played a ton of games for the national team. In a moment like this, with you know racial injustice and inequality kind of being in the state that it's in right now, would it be hard for you to to put on that uniform and represent the country? No, not, not, not for me. Um, I think, you know, I, I think everyone is going to take this and internalize it and deal with it in their own way. And I can understand, you know, Zach Steffen, you know, having difficulty with it and maybe not wanting to, to do that. Uh, I, I go from the philosophy of, um, being, for me, it would be a situation of being part of that change and showing, hey, look what this country is about. Yes, I, I have the jersey on, but take a look at, at me, look at my skin color, look at my background and everything that I am. Because I look at that national team and I believe there was a game, I'm not sure if it was last year or two years ago, but there were 10 players that were black on the field at one time. And, and that doesn't get reported a whole lot, but that, that's major. And I think that's, that's huge, and I think it's important that if we're talking about the soccer world, that we, because there's a lot of issues within the soccer world as far as the black community and its relationship there, I think that's important to say, hey, look where this what this country can be about, what it's about, the players that are representing the United States, and look look at us, and maybe look at us as examples of the future. Kobe. Uh- Barack Obama talked last night about momentum and taking this protest forward into actual change in our society and in our institutions. Um, how do you, how do you see that those next steps taking place? Is it through the ballot box? 
Is it through um, further protests? How, how do you see this um, this movement forming in the days ahead? Um, there, there's there's always steps, right? And and I think the protests are important because it brings awareness and it gives a platform for everyone to put their grievances out there. But then there has to be the next step. And that's the important part where I mentioned earlier, it's having the actions behind it. It cannot stop with just protests because there is a system in place. And if you agree with the system or not, the quickest route is going to be if you're actively going into that system and making changes within. And how do we do that? For, for me, the way I see it is getting to that ballot box. And it's, and I actually talked about this uh, uh, a week or so ago. It's like, I, I love seeing the peaceful protest, but I want to see the change. And if you, and we've got to get all these people. I mean, think about it. If you have thousands of people protesting and if you go, okay, thousands of people within these local communities actually go out and vote, you can make major changes because I've, I've seen it where you see these, you know, whenever it's time to vote and you see the down ballot, which is the, which is an extremely important part. You're talking about the district attorneys, the sheriffs and all these things. It's usually what 450 to 200. And that's like, I was like, wait, only like 600 people voted or something like that. Right. So maybe a thousand people have voted. We've got like protests of two, three thousand people. If all those people go out and vote and say, okay, hey, let's all get together, walk to the ballot box, cast our vote. We can put people in that we think are important. And, and it's not just, okay, president and maybe a senator or two. It's like I said, go down the ballot. Get your prosecutors in there, your DAs in there. All those people are important. And and it, it's also school boards and all these things. These are all important areas where we can start making a change at a, as in soccer, we like to say, at a grassroots level. Yeah, you talk about soccer and the grassroots level. You know, we were wondering about that, too. Like, it's not necessarily soccer's job to change the world, but there is a global reach and, and players within this game have global influence you know, what can what can U.S. soccer do? Is there anything like JJ and I? We talked last night how a few years ago after the Colin Kaepernick protests, U.S. soccer came out and they said our players will stand respectfully for the national anthem. And we were wondering, is that was that a policy that really has aged well in the years since? I don't. I would say that it hasn't. I mean, what can U.S. soccer do in their own right to try to help bring about change? Well, well, I, I think for U.S. soccer, you know, their their job, you know, is to promote soccer within the United States, right? You know, first and foremost, but with that comes the responsibility of saying, okay, what can you do to make soccer a, 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 a sport for everyone? And then what can soccer do to help change or I won't say change, but help, um, society in general go in a positive way? You know, I think, I think that's important. And if you have a platform where people are going to be looking at you every few years for a world cup or national team games, I think it's important to uh, go out there and put out a positive image and a positive statements throughout. Now for the, the kneeling at the national anthem, I, I think that's, it, it's difficult for us soccer not to say, or not to, um, to say that you, to say that you can't kneel. Um, I know that they would come out and say, we want everyone to stand, but when it comes down to it, it's going to be the individual that's going to make that decision. And then U.S. soccer is going to have to 
make their decisions there, how they deal with each each individual. And and I, I can understand, look, it says U.S. soccer and they're all about the flag and all that. But when it comes down to it, each individual player that is representing the country is going to have to make their own individual decision. Uh, Colby, I'm I'm reading a, a blog post at the moment by the colleague of my girlfriend who is African-American and is saying he is tired. And the overwhelming feeling is obviously pain and anger and frustration, but the overwhelming tiredness that here we are again um, at this juncture in America, is that something that you feel as well? Or in 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 a strange way, has this activated you more to to put forward for change? It's a funny thing. It seems like the the two don't work together. But yes, I mean, I I do feel like I I I have to be more active and push myself more to promote you know change and better ways of handling things all throughout. But yeah, I am tired. <laughs> you know, I am tired. In the long run of it all, just just in the generalities of being black in America, the, the different issues that that come with that, uh, the and and a lot of it, it's funny. A lot of it is the minor things, the little things that happen all the time, and dealing with that on a daily basis rather than the big major, you know, issues. Though those are just as difficult, but it, it's tiring dealing with it on a daily basis. And then when you talk about the here and the now over the past couple weeks yeah i'm tired i'm 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 tired you know you you see the 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 protests you you see the rioting you know i I think that the rioting and and the violence is the stuff that makes it more tiring than anything else you know it's a mental drain yeah on you but that's the difficulties right is is like you have to stand up to it and you have to continue to push on because the the reality is and as i've said many times i'm a realist it 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 almost goes hand in hand well yeah hopefully there's a positive side to this you know we were saying last night how during all this i'm seeing images of camden in new jersey camden new jersey police marching with protesters. Like I grew up outside of Philadelphia and that is not a site that I would have ever really thought that I'd see. I mean, we're seeing white people join this movement in a way that we just haven't seen before. People are listening in a way that feels unique. I mean, are you sensing, if we're digging for positives here, are you sensing that maybe there is some, some hope to be found in, in what's going on here? Yes. I, I, I do see hope. Uh, I think I saw the biggest sign of hope for me was last night when I saw thousands of people in in Los Angeles area protesting and marching peacefully. You know, that that was the biggest thing. I think we had gone through the initial protests, the rioting and everything that happened, the anger that was going on. But now I think there's a calculated and concentrated effort to say, okay, we're going to march peacefully. We're going to get this. We're going to get something done and we're not going to stop. We're not going to stop and, and, and stop being inconvenient to the people in charge and the decision makers until something happens. And now you're starting to see some changes and, uh, I guess some conciliatory attitudes from the politicians and the people in charge to actually start making an effort to change. If you were to give a message to two deeply white men like myself and Andrew, what would you tell us to do as a, a positive and practical thing to do to help this cause? Continue to support, 
continue to be friends to the, the various people that you know that are supporting this cause and, you know, just spread the word in, in a positive way. I think that that's all you can do and, and help, uh, be a part of the continuous push. Don't be a flashpoint activist, be an activist all the time. Kobe, we can't thank you enough. I mean, this is, this is like deep, heavy stuff. You don't, we don't really know you personally. Like for you to be so willing to talk about this so openly with a couple guys like us, it, it means a lot. Uh, hopefully it means a lot. I'm sure it'll mean a lot to everybody listening to this podcast as well. We can't thank you enough. Be well, stay safe, catch up with you soon. Thanks so much, Kobe. Thanks, Kobe. You're welcome, guys. Take care. You've been listening to the Caught Offside Soccer Podcast. 